Welcome to the Life at Full Blast podcast. I am so excited you're here and ready for your most extraordinary life. I used to escape all the mental turmoil and the spinning by seeking solutions outside of myself. I have lived through that chaos and I see you. I see you fighting and struggling. This is the place to be to find your direction so that you can decide what's next. It's time to stop making your outside circumstances the reason that you can't have what you want. You're in the driver's seat. This is the place to learn what direction to go. Welcome to this special release episode. I am so excited to have a conversation with my friend, my colleague, my old mentor, Joy Kingsborough, somebody that I still mentor with in different ways and shapes and forms. But Joy, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today as the creator of Mastering the Brain Game, but also the creator of all the things of what's next. And I'm so curious to know, how would you introduce yourself today as Joy Kingsborough? Mm. I would say that, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always great to connect with you and to connect with everyone in your world. Um, who am I? I am someone who has been um, pretty obsessed with understanding the universe with advanced manifestation, with really tapping into this uh, unseen power that's available to us so that we're not at the whim of the world. I think that's really who I am. Mm, not at the whim of the world. One of my yeah. favorite phrases. I love that. <laughs> so I want to go back to a few years ago. What was it? I think 2016 or even earlier when you know you were looking for a solution somehow some way to anxiety and what was going on in your experience and perhaps being a little bit at the whim of the world and i'd love for you to share how did the brain game come to life if you could share that story oh yeah that that's actually quite a bit further back so it yeah. would have been uh early 2000s uh, it was about 2006 that i was in a state of extreme anxiety i had two young kids and I had lots of un, unpacked baggage, right? I had a lot of things going on in my story, a lot of things that, you know, happened at a very early age, like so many people, um, you know, a lot of things that happened, my my 20s were uh, a really confusing time. And I had tried to escape reality through drugs and alcohol and, you know, all of the things. And so I found myself in a really extreme state of anxiety. Uh, navigating all kinds of issues, body dysmorphia, my own, um, you know, not, uh, inability to navigate emotions. And I would have severe anxiety attacks. Um, I would have a hard time driving home sometimes. I lived in a big city. I lived in, um, well, I lived in Boulder, Colorado, but I would drive through the city. I would drive through Denver almost every single day from work. And, you know, the highways there are pretty intense, uh, you know, several lanes, three, four lanes of traffic. And I had not only once, not just twice, but many times found myself on the side of the road needing escort uh, in order to navigate panic attacks. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So what inspired this deep dive into understanding how the brain works, how our emotions were? I mean, obviously anxiety inspired that, but what brought you to that place where enough was enough? Yeah, I think, it, you know, for me, I started searching, you know, why is this happening? I come from a really great family. Um, I wasn't remembering some of the things in childhood. And I, I was trying to um, navigate that with therapy. So I had gone to therapy. I had reached out to different therapists. I, you know, talked to family. I talked to friends. I was continually seeking, which then led me not to solutions at the time, I found that I wasn't breaking through. I was still anxious. And honestly, the solution that everyone kept coming to was medication. So if you medicate, then you'll, you know, you can suppress that. Well, I was self-medicating and knew the damage of that. And so something in me really wanted a solution that was permanent. Mm -hmm. I really believed something in me believed in the, in the human ability to heal. 
And I don't remember when that was first implanted, but this was something that was always there. I, I know that I can move through this if I can just figure out what's happening in my brain, what's happening in my body. And that's when I started to read a lot. I became a voracious leader, uh, reader and then was, um, you know, it went back to school, finished my degree in psychology and thought, you know, I really want to figure this out for myself. And then I also really always wanted to then be able to help others because it it broke my heart to see people in such mental and emotional despair. So I just kept going until I started to ease my own anxiety. Um, that w- I was just, uh, I, I think that I'm stubborn, <laughs> right? <laughs> Stubborn's not always a bad thing. Right. <laughs> well, two things really stand out to me about what you just shared is number one, you know, all of these things that we try to figure out and it nothing ever changes. I mean, I followed 20 years of personal development and never broke through until I took the brain game and all of a sudden everything changed. And the other thing that is the medication of just numb it, just suppress it. Don't feel your feelings. I think that's a a problem in today's society where we don't know what to do. And so we just shove it down with whatever we can to numb it out so that we just don't have to experience it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't, I definitely am not um, anti-medication in the way that, you know, we all have to do what's right for us. And, you know, it can be really scary you know, if, if you're not quite sure what to do with those thoughts and you don't have people around you to really support you, I think there are times when medication can really serve, but I also do believe that there is a way with guidance and support to find your way out of any kind of, um, you know, mental, mental and emotional distress. Yes, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your process of developing the brain game. (laughs) The, The process. Yeah. Well, I love, I love to create programs. Like I, I love to teach. I love to share. That's something I've always loved to do. I did that when I, in my corporate career, I love teaching people how, you know, in our business, I was, you know, I always was in that kind of role and was always supporting in that way. And so it was, it was pretty natural that that was going to happen. But for me, what was really different and how the brain game got here is that I was also open to what I couldn't fully understand and what I couldn't fully quantify. And so meditation was one of the tools that completely opened my reality. Um, You know, I had, of course, I think like so many people, you're already in anxiety, you're, you're experiencing a lot of anxious you know, different experiences. And um, I had had an extreme experience where the love of my life died and it was sudden. And in that it broke me open to there's more, there's this unseen world and it talks to us and it helps us. And it's right here, right? It's not some other place. It's right here and accessible. So I had several experiences that always left me open to that. So when I started really meditating in about 2008, 2007, 2008, I started to really deep dive into meditation. And that was really the beginning of creating a course where I was like, I understood the brain. I understood how we could regulate our nervous system. And so I started to create materials that supported people learning to meditate. That then led to my own really deep experiences with meditation, which led me to sell everything that I own and... (laughs) go on a massive awakening journey for myself, which I ended up living in an RV in the middle of nowhere on this beautiful lake. Uh, I mean, it's the middle of somewhere, but there were very few people. And uh, it was, I mean, beautiful. If you know anything about British Columbia, I know you do. Uh, It's an extraordinary place to have a quiet retreat meditative experience. And I meditated in an RV for eight, nine hours a day for about nine months. And, uh, big deal right and (laughs) between amazing moons and eagles that flew in to catch salmon in front of me and you know these amazing experiences talking to um locals people from the first nations in that area who would just come and sit and have coffee with you and you know who were in that kind of meditative space with me um 
came this conversation with my guide, Jonah, with this energy that I've been channeling for a long time, uh, channeling, accessing a frequency of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that consciousness had a stream of thought that was about the universal laws, was about divine timing and helped me see exactly how to release, to have a permanent shift out of anxiety and showed me what I did. So walk me back through how I released myself and came to a place of peace, how I got to where I was and how I could uh, reliably and re and repeatedly take other people through that journey. Mm. So, yeah, so one day I came out of the RV, <laughs> went back to the world, um, you know, nudged to do so. It was a next for me. It was, a, okay, now you've done this. It's beautiful. You're at peace. You live in this amazing place. Now go from the quiet back to the noise. Mm -hmm. and tell people. And so I did. Share it. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you did because that work, that channel through you has saved my life and I know multitudes of others. And so thank you. I'm yeah. so grateful. So there's a couple of things that you touched on. Number one, channeling. We're going to get into that. <laughs> and number two, the law of divine time, universal law. Can yeah. you describe to us the importance of understanding the laws of the universe? Why do we need to know? Yeah, well, it's kind of like, I think about this, like if we were in a game, mm -hmm. which we might be. Which we might be. <laughs> I think if, we are. <laughs> right, but if we're gaming, like if we're in a game and we have all these like societal rules, we have all these like man's law, I call it. You know, that we can't, um, I don't know, you, you can't do certain things with banks and you can't do certain things with people. And if you say that, it hurts their feelings and you do all this stuff. So you have all these rules that we've made up, yeah. but you go into the game and in the game, there are certain things that if you cross that barrier, your character dies. Mm -hmm. If you do that, your character can jump and leap and have these superpowers, right? It doesn't really matter what man's law is in the game. Mm -hmm. You're bound by the parameters of the game programmers. Right. So humans are like that. We live in a universe that has these parameters. They are universal law. They're the way that things function, whether we like it or not, whether we agree socially, collectively or not. Uh, if we all were offended by gravity, it would still be here. So to me, that's universal law. It doesn't matter our opinion of it. It's how things function. And we can observe that. And we can scientifically analyze some of those universal laws, but most of them, we don't really understand how they work. We just know they do. Yeah. <laughs> Gravity is one of them. We don't know how it works, right? but it does. Yeah. So there are hundreds of these universal laws, and there are some that are a little bit more uh, understandable and impact us directly in our, in our ability to navigate our own bodies that live in this universe bound by those universal laws. I love that. I love that. And it's like, you know, understanding universal law is about understanding how to play this game of life. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So why is, I mean, the, the brain game is a really embraces most of the law a lot of the laws, but one mm -hmm. of the key laws that I've seen in that program is the divine timing cycle. Yeah. And I'm curious, why is the divine timing cycle, the key piece of brain game? What is it about that cycle? That's so important. Yeah, it's it's actually probably the number one thing that causes that program to work. And it's because there's a there is one of these natural laws. Now, it was worded to me through my conversations with Jonah as divine timing. It's really a, about a process of manifestation. It's how energy changes shape. So right. if you want to change energy and everything is energy, your thoughts are energy, your emotions are energy, your behaviors, your actions, the things in your life are all energy. If you want to change energy, there's a process yes. and it's a co-creation with the universe. So if you do this in a particular order, so if you take actions and work with tools, so there's a million amazing tools that exist, but if you work with them in a particular order, you sync up with these universal laws naturally. So it moves you into sync where you're working with these laws, even if you don't fully understand them, you start working with them cognitively, emotionally, and physically, and then your physical results completely adhere to this process of your thinking and feeling and doing. Yeah. Um, and it looks like magic, but it's not. We just We just don't 
we don't have, we're not talking about this in, in big ways, right? Or we talk about it and we make light of it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. It's like the step-by-step process to transmutation and Jupiter really yes. this conversation. <laughs> yes. It's like, let's play. Yeah. She's talking about the universe. Right. <laughs> so let's go to this concept of channeling. Yeah. What is channeling and who can do it? Yeah. So channeling, I think, um, I, I would, I would, I would just want to have this conversation everywhere because right? channeling isn't scary. And I, I think we've, we've sort of misinterpreted over time, right? How that's happened that, you know, only certain people can channel or if we have an idea about it. And some people listening may have never even heard of this word channeling, but essentially I think most people have heard that throughout history, there have been people that have talked to some being, whether that's God or a divine entity, there are stories everywhere, right? Moses came, Moses came down from the Mount having a conversation with God and, you know, then wrote, brought down these tablets, you know, whatever there's, there's been these stories throughout our history. It's not new, but what was different about those is they were having conversations, you know, not all of them, but they were having conversations based on a connection in their consciousness. So I always like to bring channeling back to the, its simplest understanding. When you awaken into this body as a young babe, you open your eyes and you have a consciousness. You are conscious of something. You might be conscious just of life. You're not conscious of yourself yet, but you have a consciousness. It's a frequency of consciousness of awareness. You are awake. You're aware. You're conscious. That's channeling consciousness. Mm. The body is the channel and it has a signal. So the body is designed to be an antenna. Every cell has an antenna. The mirror neurons in the brain, the mirror neurons in the heart all have antenna. They're all picking up signals of thought. So those thoughts can be chosen intentionally. Uh, And we have a lot of evidence on this. You know, if you go look at anything Bruce Lipton has written, or, you know, there's so many resources that can show us Candace Pert, exactly what the cells are doing. They are giant receivers. So they're receiving this information. Well, channeling is choosing to receive information from specific frequencies. So in meditation, you know, I was talking about my meditation experience. I got to some really high frequencies and I realized that I was changing. In fact, I was measuring it. I had this device where I could measure the brain state, my brainwave state. And I was starting to reach brainwave states that were really accelerate, like really fast speeds. And in that, I would notice certain things change where I was accessing different thoughts when I was in those brainwave states. Mm -hmm. So brainwave states allow us to tap into different streams of thought, different frequency of thought, which hopefully that doesn't sound too crazy. Like I try to keep it as simple as possible because it it really is. The thoughts you're thinking now are channeled from somewhere. They're not in you. We know that science knows that thoughts are outside of you. Mm-hmm. So when I channel Jonah, I'm channeling a consciousness that comes from a loving dimension of reality. And the, the conversation that comes through comes through my body as easily and naturally as thought, but I'm in a different state, right? I can feel it like a meditative state. It's like you're turning the dial on the old radio station, just yeah. pull in that other frequency, right? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And one of the things that I love about how you teach is that it feels very, you know, for some of us, woo woo, spiritual, very out there. And yet you have this way of bringing it to the, the science of it so that we yeah. our mental concept, we can get it. <laughs> I try. It's hard to bring something like that really practical, but that's, I mean, that's one of my greatest desires is that we understand how natural it is. Yeah. yeah. So do we have to spend eight or nine hours a day in meditation to channel? <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, it was just, it was part of my journey, right? It was, it was a big part of, you know, becoming who I am and who I would continue to become over time. Um, For me, I think it's, it's about the consistency Mm -hmm. of being present. Yeah. And so I love that about meditation. Meditation can bring you to a place of really understanding what that is and becoming aware of yourself. And in the beginning, you might need it more right? You might need a, an hour or two hours or that kind of thing. But once, but really for a daily practice, five minutes being 
with you as you is enough to change your reality. Mm. Yeah. I love that. That seems so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it becomes compound, right? Mm -hmm. You know, with this idea of compound interest, well, everything we do is compound, especially when we're tapping straight into energy and consciousness, it compounds. Yeah. So for the people out there who, and I know I was like this in the beginning, when I met you, I had never meditated in my life. And I thought, "Ah, I don't know that I can do this. And even to this day, meditation is challenging for me because my mind is so busy. Yeah. And for the people out there who have maybe never meditated or who have that busy mind, what would you recommend to them to be able to come into that presence? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is maybe even having the awareness that you think your mind is busy, but it's actually just accessing a stream of busy thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're not in your mind. They're actually not there right? So you're routing them. You're at a particular speed where you're routing them. So interruption, any way of interrupting that by noticing, you know, my favorite thing is I'm having a thought mm-hmm. I'm ex- or I'm experiencing a thought. I'm seeing a thought. I'm feeling a thought, whatever it is, just calling it out without thinking the thought again. This is really key. The moment we start thinking with the thought and go, oh, I'm that thought. I'm thinking about turning off the lights. Did I remember to turn off the stove? Did I, you know, all that stuff. And you start answering those thoughts. You actually stay in the frequency, but if you interrupt it and just take a breath, that can be an easy way to do it. Just bring your awareness to the breath, but then go, ah, just a thought. Yeah. Just a thought. I don't need to do anything about it. It, It's not me. And then just breathe. Yeah. I love that. Change your body, right? Such a simple process of just, breathe because I think so many of us are breathing in that fight flight response all the time because we live in a very noisy world and there's a to-do list of 52 million things and I want to do this and that and did I turn the stove off etc right right and so just breathe right that was to that space yeah that was the thing right I mean I know you know this story but when I was at the height of my anxiety that's what changed my life. I don't know if it would, I don't know if I'd be here if I hadn't been told to breathe. And it was by a police officer who was escorting me off the highway in one of my panic attacks. And he, he, uh, this beautiful man to this day, I don't know who it was. I wish that I knew who this man was, but he stopped. And instead of trying to get me off the highway, he stood there with me, grabbed my face Mm -hmm. and said, breathe. Yeah. And I could. And it, it actually was so shocking to me that I could pause and breathe Mm -hmm. that, that, that changed me. So it works. I just get goosebumps every time you share that story. It's so powerful. And, you know, it, it would be fun to go back and say, thank you to him. Right. Just, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you're using channeling to better your life first and foremost, but you know, what does channeling do for us? Does it solve all our problems? (laughs) Skip everything else. Just channel. (laughs) No, that was was actually the biggest uh, initial disappointment Mm -hmm. is I was like, well, I want to channel because then I just have a direct line to the divine and I'll just, you know, get all the answers. Like, well, how do I fix this problem? How do I do that? And I thought I could bypass all of that. And, uh, what I got instead was a a constant pointing to, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, go here, learn that meditate. Oh, maybe do that. Oh, what about this? Mm -hmm. And it was always an invitation and a belief in me. So where I was tapped into, I was tapped, I'm tapped into unity consciousness and I'm tapped into the stream of love. And in that is absolute belief in my ability to direct my own life experience, to not rescue me because not because I'm not loved and that we're not loved, but because we don't need it because ultimately we are that in which we're channeling. We have access to move our awareness there. And realize that we too are these divine intelligent beings who, if we shift our frequency to the state, what channeling does for me is it helps me in this body become more closely aligned with that frequency. Mm -hmm. 
And so I behave more like Jonah. I move into that state of being. So my life reflects a more unity consciousness approach and my whole body frequency shifts as a result. So channeling for me is a, it's, it's guidance, but it's also the nonstop awakening to who I am and to my potential power and impact. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. And, you know, that's one of the things that's so powerful for me is remembering that we have choice. Yeah. That we're not, and again, it brings it back to that we're not at the whim of the world. We are at the whim of our choices and we get to decide how we want to experience that. I think that's so powerful. Absolutely. It's probably one of the, the biggest pieces, right? You can get uh, information all day long, but if you take no action on it, you're going nowhere, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's about being present and listening and doing the thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that stands out to me about this channeling too is because we have choice, you can set an intention. Well, I kind of want to speak to the fear around channeling because I know when I first started channeling, I was terrified. I grew mm-hmm. up a very afraid child. Anything supernatural freaked me out. I didn't want to see ghosts and talk to dead people. I was like, no, Joy, I don't want to yeah. do <laughs> so can we speak to the fear of that and yeah oh it's so important to set intention with channeling so much so because as I was awakening in that same time frame where I went through and I was meditating all the time and had I was in conversation I wasn't setting intention so I was just opening myself up and as a result I would then be in a, a location somewhere and there'd be a lot of energy in a particular frequency And I would see things that frightened me, right? I would see things and be staring at these, you know, what you would call ghosts or apparitions, or I would just see things and it was really uncomfortable. And I would hear things and there was stuff all around. And that's, you know, that's real. We can access these lower frequencies, but with intention, it creates sort of like a, um, a conduit, like it connects you. There's a magnetic pull when you're clear about what you want then you align with it. So you create this, it's a geometry that forms in the universe. So there's all this geometry that's happening. And it's because each of us has a magnetic force. Each body has a magnetic force and it's programmable. The intention is the programming. So you program the alignment you want. And without that, you're sort of, again, you're at the whim, instead of the whim of the physical world, now you're at the whim of the unseen world. (laughs) <laughs> and that that's not needed, right? This vision come in of like, it's like plugging in the code to the computer. And if you don't give the computer instructions, then you get viruses and all this crap, right. malware. And if you right. set the right intention, if you put in the right instructions to the computer, you get what you want. Yeah. And people will say, you know, like, oh, I just want to channel what's best for me. Well, if you believe that's what you believe about that is going to show up as your intention. So if you believe what that what's best for you is not something you know, then you're going to access a frequency that likes control, mm-hmm. which isn't a loving frequency. And so you might get what's best for you based on that control and awakening. It'll awaken you to your own power. Mm-hmm. It's just really important for us to realize how much power we do have and that we're not, you know, if we attract a frequency that's not really serving us in the greatest way other than our growth, um, which is pretty good. But even, you know, if we have a difficult situation, it's not because we are being punished or we didn't get it right it's because we just don't know our power. And so we give our power away. And the universe, this is one of those universal laws. If you give your power away, it's an illusion that must be shattered. And so the universe must show you that it's a lie. And so it will distort things and take power away from you. And in a way that will give you the perception of it so that you'll wake up to your power. Like ultimately the the universe is showing you what's real. Until you're ready to choose to take your power and stay right, right? Which, and show up and be a co-creator, not uh, yeah, yeah. I love that. And one of the biggest things in brain game is teaching you how to do that, right? Right. Yeah, I love right. Because it really awakens you to those those initial steps that are a requirement. You know, you have to have a foundation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this is the foundation of our, of our body house. The brain game is like, okay, this is how to be in my body with these thoughts, with these emotions. You know, why am I, why do I take actions that don't serve me? And then why do I take actions that do serve me sometimes? Like to me, that's what brain game is the foundation of that. So then you can expand and grow from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that so much. So you touched on geometry a little bit, and you know, we're going to geek out about numbers. (laughs) (laughs) There's two, actually two conversations around geometry that I want to have, but I want to start with numerology and why numbers? Why? Mm, I don't know. Numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, I don't know. I don't know why it's numbers. The universe uses them as a language. So, um, I guess why numbers, why, why we love them is because we found out how the universe speaks and that's pretty great. So if you like that, if you like having a direct conversation Mm -hmm. and feedback, um, that's a really great reason for numbers. The other great reason for numbers is for, for whatever reason, maybe it's not a game. Maybe it is this life came pre-coded. For each human, there there is a code, and that code is described in numbers. And so, as you learn that language, you can tap into it, and you can get an edge, right? You can leverage that to go, okay, my unique brand of uh, self abuse looks like this, and my unique brand of success looks like this, and so you can decide what to do with that pattern, right? You get a pattern, and you can alter it however you want. Yeah, I love that because you again, you always have choice in how you. <laughs> unravel that code but yeah right. I love that so tell us a bit about your journey with the numbers and you know what got you start what made you start paying attention to numbers I'm like oh my gosh we're just like going down all the little rabbit holes here love rabbit holes you know me <laughs> so how did I get started with the numbers I I don't there's a lot of things that stand out to me, but, but I'll say where the turning point was because there were a lot of times like I, I would be playing with Oracle cards when I was younger and the numbers would just start talking to me. And I thought that was weird. I mean, honestly, as I was younger, I was like, I don't know why that's happening. I would like see them rise up and talk to me and I knew what they were saying and I couldn't quite figure that out. So it felt like an anomaly to me, but there was a time when I was going beyond. So it was after I'd been meditating for all those months, I came back out and was looking for different ways to support people. And I went down a shaman journey, you know, thinking that maybe I wanted to do some shamanism and I explored ayahuasca for, uh, for about a year. And I don't know how many ayahuasca ceremonies I did many. And um, not only was I doing those ceremonies, I was helping people prepare for ceremonies and we were hosting ceremonies in our home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, I go all in. And (laughs) so in one, in one of those, uh, in one of those experiences, I was going deeply into old rooted patterns and I was being shown in ayahuasca. One of the things that happens is you, you're sort of in that moment at the whim of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So you tap into whatever really is needed for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, The shaman asks you, you're required to set an intention before you do that. If you don't, it's really, will teach you, you need intention. That will be the one thing (laughs) that tells you, you need intention. If you do that without intention, (laughs) you do not want to be at the whim of ayahuasca. Um, But my intention was to clear some baggage around my childhood. And as we were doing that, I was given uh, an image. I was given a scene for, I don't know how many hours, but it was like this spiral. It was like an Alice in Wonderland kind of literally down the rabbit hole experience. And it was like a, a, a Jack in the box slash, um, swirling, um, vine. It was like a tree vine, right? I mean, it's ayahuasca we're talking about here. So (laughs) in, and the, so this vine was coming down and on the vine, instead of leaves were cards, they were playing cards Mm -hmm. and the playing cards would turn over and they would be a card, right? So then I would see a card, like here's the Jack of Clubs. And then the Jack of Clubs would morph and it would sort of laugh like a Jack in the box. And then it would be the head of someone I know. Mm. And instantly I would know why they were in my life. Right. So I was going through this for hours, seeing these cards and knowing that when I woke up, the that I was going to work with these cards in order to change lives. 
that that was going to be a part of my story moving forward, that I would be, I would understand these cards and be able to interpret them for others. So I did, I woke up from that and immediately started looking up, how do I use playing cards? Like I have no idea. And, and that cracked it open for me like that. Then from that point forward, I wanted to know everything about numbers and, Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I had already been playing with numbers for a long time, but this was the moment where I knew it was coming into my, into my work. Yeah. I love that. So you work with, we work with two different types of numerology. Can you describe (laughs) the two, the two and the difference between them? Yeah. And, and maybe even the thread of what's different about the way we work with it, because I think there that's pretty relevant to the conversation. (laughs) There's, there's a, the first um, system that we work with is the Pythagorean. So it's really based on like a traditional, more mathematical, um, it's a take from the other system, but it was, it was developed over time based on mathematical developments of things like people like Pythagoras, right? And so philosophy began to guide that and the early study of psychology that came out of a lot of ancient text. So Mm -hmm. that brought together this system of Pythagorean, which is probably the most well-known in the world. So we work with that system. And then we work with another system called the Book of Life. And the Book of Life is an ancient system that is uh, most closely associated with Egypt, although even the system itself, it um, emerged from secret societies, the Brotherhood of Light and, you know, different things like that, different secret societies that worked with this information and, and held it and kept it sacred and kept kept it safe from being destroyed over time. They claim very clearly that this came from 200,000 years ago in Atlantis and other things. So that's straight from their mouth, uh, those who created and left this system with us. Uh, But that's based on the playing cards. So we work with both of these systems that are um, a bit, they're archetypal in nature, but they have the pattern of reality, the pattern of our birth type and archetype is encoded for us so that we can see in the all the way back to the beginning of time and all the way forward to where we'll ever be. We can see the pattern of our entire life um, right there laid out in the numbers. But what overlays both of these systems that I think is so crucial to understand is the overlay of intuition. So it is implied that in this system, we don't use it for, we don't use it to tell people what to do. Oh, God, no. <laughs> right? But but a lot of numerology is that way. Don't do this because of this number and don't and make sure you use this number this way. So it's really built on this superstition. Yeah. It's not a superstitious system. It was never meant for that. It was meant for a psychological understanding. It was meant to better our stories and help us clear our karma, clear those that clear the baggage. And so it's it's really based on using that, leveraging the information from the perspective that everyone's already well and they have choice. Anything other than that, really, it doesn't show up in our, you know, we interpret strictly from that place. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I I mean, I remember when I first learned this system from you and you still teach it was um, I would Google the meaning of certain numbers or certain cards. And, you know, you get some kind of cool, generic, really surface level stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. But when I really started diving in and understanding that I could channel these numbers because they are frequencies, I developed a relationship with these numbers and everything pivoted from there. And then I started getting really upset with people that Googled the numbers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You go through a moment of like, oh my gosh, you don't even know. And then that's okay too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, But I, I think knowing First and foremost, I mean, the work of brain game and then knowing my own chart and understanding all of those karmic pieces, it's helped me to clear so much of the baggage and just leave it behind so that I can be present here right now. Without being so scared, right? You know, I've done a lot of work over the years. Um, Ayahuasca is scary. You know, we've both done a lot of work where we're diving into, you know, these parts of ourselves we don't want to look at. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be emotional. But what I love about the brain game and numerology, especially combined, is it there's so much peace and there's so much assurance that you know that what you're navigating is move throughable. Yeah. Right. Like you're you're going to move through it because you understand the natural law of that cycle. You know that as I'm in it, if I'm willing to just face it and feel it, I will be free. Yes. It will be free to move on 
but I've got to, I just have to be with it for a minute. And so for me, that's really different. My anxiety was based on the despair of, I think this is going to be forever. This feeling I'm feeling, it's going to be forever. I'm never going to get past it. You know, there's this hopelessness that shows up and then it becomes a spiral of despair for people. Yeah. So knowing these things gives you like light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I know so many situations in my own life, my own experience of just taking a deep breath and looking at the chart and going, Oh, that's why. Right. And it brings so much peace. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I've seen that with my clients, your clients, we see that everywhere. It's just like this, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. It's like this, this divine gift. Mm-hmm. that so I would say a very small number of people know exists. Wow. Yeah. And it's like yeah. just waiting there. <laughs> yeah. Not for long. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the final piece of geometry and your work, the thing yeah. that I want to talk about the most quantum expansion. Yeah. I think this one's the game changer. I think this mm-hmm. is the thing that has uh, skyrocketed my own experience and many other people that I know that know this technique. And I would love for you to share what is it and yeah. where does it, where did it come from? Yeah. Well, <laughs> similar <laughs> to brain game, right? So the, for Q, for me, this quantum expansion, we you know we call it Q for short. Um, it's easier to say. <laughs> so um, this this is my mission. Um, and the reason for it is as I went through brain game and as I began to change and I was channeling and moving through all of those experiences, I discovered that while it shifted me, while the brain game absolutely opened me up and shifted me into the ability to be happy at peace, at ease, I had the tools to keep coming back to it. What I wondered about was how I could do it consistently. Mm. How could I stay in it? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's good. No, it's not. Oh, it's good. No, it's not. (laughs) Right. So as always, it was the, the curiosity took hold of me. Mm. And so in that, I kept playing with different things and it was in a moment of absolute frustration as I was changing my life and realizing I was going through a cycle change. And even though I had the numerology that said, okay, you're going through this transit. And in this transit, by the way, you're going to move to a different country. You're going to divorce your husband. You're going to uh, change your business. You're going to do this. And then you're going to move into a two-bedroom apartment from your five-bedroom home. But, you know, no big deal. And then, you know, all the stuff, Right. <laughs> no problem. And somehow you're going to feed your children. Everything's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And so it was that level of trust that I hadn't yet developed. And it was because I had my mind and my emotions on board, but I didn't have my higher vibrational self on board. I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know this was what was going on. I just knew there was some piece that was a little out of sync and I wanted to understand it, but I couldn't understand it until the mind and emotions were on board, right? Like, I think this is so key is it's not a shortcut to jump to this. It's we, we, we come into alignment and there's a moment when we're ready for that. But so me, I was in a place of sort of despair, not anxiety, not the place I was, but I was in a state of despair of there's just got to be a solution. I'm missing something. I can't stand it. So I'm crying, <laughs> crying on my bed yeah. because I, I knew there was something I wasn't getting. Yeah. And that's when Jonah came through and said, okay, here you go. Mm. And it was same with brain game, do this in this order. So Jonah began guiding me through a guided mindfulness practice Mm -hmm. and the and the guidance wasn't a very specific geometry and it was an infinity symbol and as he had said once before with with the brain game the order matters Mm -hmm. and same thing here it was the order matters you must begin on the left side of your head you must move this way through your body down around and back up from the right side in order to make this infinity symbol through your body and you must follow it in this specific way And when you do that, you become now. Mm. You enter into the now and you activate what I'm now calling the universe, Y-O-U, universe. Your universe is activated. You're now coming into regulation of your vibrational system. Right. 
So we're regulating vibration in the body. We're learning to feel vibration and regulate that. And with that geometry, you're then able to use all of you, mind, emotion, and this frequency, this vibrational self together mm-hmm. in a unit, in a unified being with intention to create your reality. Mm. Right? So, so- and, right, it's like a syncing up with it, with all that is, and then it becomes consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've heard so many stories of the manifestation of things, but I think the number one thing I've noticed after doing Q consistently every day, at least once a day, if not more for two years straight now, I think the one thing I've noticed is I used to be this person who had these extreme highs and then extreme lows. And I used to get a hit off of the extreme highs, but in order to get the extreme high, I had to have the extreme low. And so I feel like a ping pong ball because I was constantly like back and forth, back and forth. And then it was resulting in inconsistent manifestation. Sometimes it'd be great. And sometimes it wouldn't. And I actually was having this conversation with myself the other day of like, I don't have those extreme highs anymore, but I don't have the extreme lows either. And it's Mm -hmm. created an equilibrium within my being where I can just be without having to bounce all over the place and bounce all over the place with my life experience too. Yeah. That's um, the number one symptom. Yeah. I'll say the side effect that is the number one side effect of Q is that your extremes fall away. Yeah. Right. So important. Yeah. And I used to think, you know, I I've missed those extreme highs because I thought I wanted those extreme highs. But when I started to recognize the extreme high comes hand in hand with the extreme low, I thought, hmm, maybe not. What if right. it was even keel? Well, it's our coping mechanism, right? So we have so many of those, but the extremes create a a reason for us to say, oh, well, this bad thing happens, but no worries. It's going to be good again. And so you justify instead of face it. So when you're in something difficult, there's a justification. Well, you know, it's going to get better. This too shall pass. All those things that are lovely and and valid and true when you're in the cycle, right? But it's it's a suffering cycle. So it's actually connected to a frequency of suffering. So it becomes the the pleasure and pain cycle, they call it, right? But it's it's literally just the expansion of suffering. And so suffering has an extreme, right? Suffering is like, okay, suffering is also in this flow of excitement, right? And it's not that you don't have excitement. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not the same frequency. And this is such a crucial aspect of what Q is bringing to the world is that, you know, over the years I've been queuing since about 2018. That's when it first, when I first started to uh, gather that information and play with it myself. Mm-hmm. And since then, you know, the discovery with working with, you know, I think we've got about a hundred practitioners or more. I don't know that I don't know where it's gone into the world, but as, as we've been working with these people using Q, the, the natural shift is out of that cycle and to an awareness that something I wondered for another question I had for a really long time, does healing ever end? Mm. We, we must change that perception in order to really activate you. Healing does come to an end. There is a moment. It's not a moment of denial of stuff that really needs to be resolved, but there is a moment when healing starts getting used in order to have those highs. Yeah. We start calling in pain to have an extreme good. Mm-hmm. And for most people that I come into contact with now, they don't know that they've done this. They don't know they're in that cycle. They just keep creating conditions that aren't great. And it's what I was doing. Yeah. I was actually creating yeah. challenges <laughs> in order to have the big breakthroughs. Cause I'd had all these big breakthroughs and I was like, wow, that's amazing. This is so good. And then a week or two later, I'd be like, oh, and then, so I would make some kind of dramatic challenge. I would, you know, get a lot of money and then I would lose a lot of money and then I would uh, fall in love. And then I would be, you know, betrayed and, you know, just all of it. 
yeah. all of that cycle. So it's a breaking away. It that's it's a breaking away of that cycle for the consistency. It's the only reason we don't have the consistency because we're trapped in that cycle. Yeah. Oh, so many times I would create conditions for myself just so that I could have that high when I broke through it. And yeah. Oh. And we're so clever, right? We oh, were like, well, I didn't create that. Like, yes, you did. You, did. It, you yeah. didn't create it like that, but you, you asked for one. Mm-hmm. You asked for a big breakthrough that was an extreme. Yeah. And you believe it must come together. So you created both. You created the breakthrough and the breakdown. Yeah. Mm. That breaks my heart now. Like I think I was like, look, I know that it's all worthwhile, but I just look back and like, I'm so glad I stopped that for mm. myself. Um, and I'm grateful to stop it for others, but really I'm going to be selfish there. I'm really grateful. I stopped it for myself. Um, that was, was not a way to live No. after all, like breaking through all that stuff and then still living in that ping pong. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I have absolutely loved this conversation. You know, I could talk to you all day long. Uh, where would, what's next for you? Where, where mm-hmm. do people find you? What's the next thing for joy? Yeah. So the next thing is, uh, really, um, bringing cue to the world in a much bigger way, uh, expanding quantum expansion, allowing, uh, experiences, like really inviting experiences of this really beautiful quantum energy field, um, sharing it with others at speaking events. Um, the book is coming out in February about Q and we will be moving practitioners out across the world to help share Q with others. So that is what's next. You can easily find that on my website, joyandjona.com, and you can find a free experience for Q there as well. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. And for anybody who's interested in learning numerology, where would they go for that? Uh, quantumnumerologytraining.com. That's a mouthful, I know, but <laughs> I, fig- I figure you'll probably put the link in there. I probably will. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. What would you, in, in completion of this conversation, what was one thing you would leave with our audience to help inspire, uplift, and give hope? Oh, inside of you is a power that you have not even touched. And if you make the decision, if you choose to bring your attention to that place inside of you, to just touch that energy, to see it, to be with it for a moment, you'll, you'll change your entire outside world. Mm-hmm. All you've got to do is say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you for catching another episode of the Life at Full Blast podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here, that you are part of this community. And if it resonates with you, please review, subscribe, share anything that you do to move this podcast out into the world to support humanity helps. And if you are ready to choose that most extraordinary life, visit my website, cindyvanonham.com. But above all else, no matter what you choose to do, remember... I love you, I believe in you, and I see your power. See you next week.